the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. We're praying about something. We can't understand why God isn't answering our prayers. Well, He is answering. The answer is no or wait. But I think one reason why we get frustrated and disappointed with God is because we tend to think that we dictate to God what he must do rather than a true submission to what does his word say to us? What promises do we have from his word? There's another reason I think we get frustrated, and it's along these lines, is that we tend to misinterpret scripture by claiming promises that just aren't there for us. And that misinterpretation of scripture leads us to be very confused because we think God has let us down. We think God has not fulfilled his word because we're claiming something that we've misinterpreted. Specifically, what has God told us in his word? What has he promised us as we go through trials? What is it specifically that you can count on, regardless of what you're going through, that God has told you? We turn to the New Testament for this, because there's a lot in the New Testament about this. faithful. We can see that as we read through the Bible. Of course, each of us goes through various trials and difficulties in life. That's the nature of life in a fallen world. And maybe you're going through a difficult time that, much like all those days Noah and his family were on the ark, your time of difficulty just keeps going on and on. If so, today's verse-by-verse program is for you. If, on the other hand, life is going well for you, This program is also for you because there will be a time when you will need to be reminded that God is faithful. We have a lot to get to on today's verse-by-verse program, so here is our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. God is faithful. I want to apply this for a moment. I want to encourage everyone who's going through a difficult time, a time that just seems to go on and on and on and never end. And you wonder, when is it going to end? Will God keep His word to you. God has not forgotten you, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you feel at this moment. But sometimes we think God is doing something and we get disappointed with God and we get frustrated and we ought to be honest about that. We get frustrated, we get confused, we get disappointed with God because we wonder, what are you doing? And let me tell you one of the reasons why I think we do get frustrated. I think there are two reasons, really. Number one, Either we expect him to do what we think he must do, not what his word says he'll do, but what we expect him to do. And when he doesn't live up to our expectations, as if we tell God, this is what you must do, then we get confused. We're praying about something. We can't understand why God isn't answering our prayers. Well, he is answering. The answer is no or wait. 
But I think one reason why we get frustrated and disappointed with God is because we tend to think that we dictate to God what he must do rather than a true submission to what does his word say to us? What promises do we have from his word? There's another reason I think we get frustrated, and it's along these lines, is that we tend to misinterpret scripture by claiming promises that just aren't there for us. And that misinterpretation of scripture leads us to be very confused because we think God has let us down. We think God has not fulfilled his word because we're claiming something that we've misinterpreted. Specifically, what has God told us in his word? What has he promised us as we go through trials? What is it specifically that you can count on, regardless of what you're going through, that God has told you? We turn to the New Testament for this, because there's a lot in the New Testament about this. Number one, we learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that God says his grace is sufficient for you. The story is in 2 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7. Paul says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. God had given Paul revelation after revelation. And Paul might have been big-headed about this. Paul might have turned from a humble servant to a very proud individual. And he said that to keep me humble, God let Satan inflict me with a messenger from Satan, a thorn in the flesh. What that thorn was, we don't know. It might have been an individual who really bugged Paul. More than likely, it was a physical ailment. It really isn't that important what it is. The important thing is this. It was given to Paul to keep him from exalting himself. Now watch this. The great apostle Paul who walked with the Lord did the thing that just naturally any one of us would do. Any one of us would say, Lord, this is rough. I pray that you'll deliver me from this. I pray that it'll leave me. Three times. Now, Paul didn't get that answer, but I guess the answer you could say was no. Because in verse 9, God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, Paul says, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Listen, what Paul learned is something we need to learn, and that is that whatever you go through, his grace is sufficient. What does that mean? It means that God will strengthen you. He won't necessarily take you out of the trial. He'll strengthen you in the trial because he's teaching you things. He's keeping you from exalting yourself. He wants to humble you. If you're not humble already, if you are humble already, he wants to keep you humble. And that is what you can count on. God will keep his word. Secondly, you can count on this promise. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29 tell us this. These great verses that we've looked at many times, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. God is causing all things to work together for the believer. That's what it means. All things to work together for good for the believer. How is it good? All things. That means your trial as well. That means the difficulty you're going through. That means the heartache that you're enduring. Because in verse 29, he says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God is using all the difficulties of life to make and shape you and mold you to be more Christ-like. That you can count on. God is keeping his word. He gives you grace to endure the trial. He promises to make you more like Christ. And you know what? There's nothing more important than that, to make us more like Christ, to bring more glory to him. 
Thirdly, he promises to make us more spiritually mature and stable in our Christian lives. James tells us in James chapter 1 how he opens his book. A very unusual way of opening the book. He says in verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, you encounter various trials. You're to actually be joyful about it. Now, it's not fun going through it. The joy isn't that you're going through it, but the joy is knowing what it produces. Because James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. You want perseverance? You want steadfastness? You want to know all of those character qualities where you have to go through trials. And James says in verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result. Don't fight God on this. Let it have its perfect result that you may be perfect. It means complete, mature, lacking in nothing. You want to be spiritually mature, spiritually stable, then rejoice the trials you're going through because God will use them to make you more mature, more Christ-like, a deeper Christian than you were a week ago. Every day moving you more and more to the goal of Christ-likeness. So God doesn't always spare us distress. I want you to know that. He doesn't always spare us distress. Why? Because he has a purpose for you. In fact, he has several purposes in this. And instead of giving up and being discouraged, as so many Christians are, you need to recall this, that for 371 days, Noah and his family floated on an endless sea with thousands of animals on board not knowing what would happen next. But God didn't forget Noah, and he's not going to forget you either. I think that's a great encouragement. He has not forgotten you. He is keeping his word towards you and to you, and he is using these times to mold you and shape you into the kind of person that he wants you to be. And you need to thank God for that. He hasn't forgotten you. So, As you wait for the trial to end, and it seems like it's never going to end, and I understand that, What can you do in the meantime? What can you do as you go through a trial? And I want to give you three practical suggestions on what to do as you wait for the trial to end. First of all, stop thinking and worrying about the future and the worst case scenarios. Isn't that what we do as we go through this? We worry about the worst case scenarios. Well, if this continues and this happens, then I'll be bankrupt. If this continues, my family will be a wreck. If this continues, I won't have a job. If this continues, I don't know what's going to happen. Stop worrying. And how do you stop worrying? You don't just say, oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and stop worrying. Worry is something you do in your mind. It's what you put into your mind. Therefore, you have to not only stop thinking the wrong thoughts, worrisome, anxious thoughts, but you substitute those thoughts with the right thinking. I'd like you to see this from Philippians chapter 4. You substitute wrong thinking, worrisome thinking, thinking that you have gotten into a habit, a habit in thinking the worst case scenarios. And it is a habit that we cultivate. It's a sinful habit. Christ died for our worries because that's sin. I know it's the respectable sin of the evangelical church. We're not embarrassed by it. We might be embarrassed and we should be embarrassed about moral lapses, but we're not embarrassed about worry. Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes in verse 6, be anxious for nothing. That's all inclusive. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And here's the result of that. When you stop worrying about anything and you pray about everything, Paul writes, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One time when I was preaching on this, a man came up to me and said, could you explain to me the peace of God? I said, no, Paul said it passes all comprehension. Nobody knows it. 
How can I explain it to you? You just experience it. But the key that I want you to see is verse 8. We often stop at verses 6 and 7. And if you do that, you're not going to get the whole picture. And you're not going to have total victory. Because verse 8 is the key. Finally, brethren, and he means kind of in conclusion. Let me wrap this up. Let me tell you what you need to do. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The word at the end, let your mind dwell on these things, the expression means contemplate, meditate, give serious consideration, not passing thoughts. These are the things you need to think about, and primarily it's talking about truthful things that are worthy of praise. You know, most of us worry about things that will never happen. It's not true. It will never happen. Donald Gray Barnhouse, that great pastor and Bible teacher, was married to a woman who worried endlessly. And one day he bought her a book with just pages in it that weren't written, and he said, for the next six months, write down everything you worry about, and then we'll look at it. After six months was over, they opened the book. Now, one thing that she worried about ever happened. Imagine that. Paul says, think on the things that are true, not the things that might happen, the things that are true. What is true as opposed to the future? That's what we worry about. You don't know what the future is going to bring. And you've got to stop your mind from thinking on worst case scenarios, future stuff, and presently, what is true? And of course, the great meditation should be on the truth of the word of God. It is true that God has not forgotten you. First of all, stop thinking about the future and worst case scenarios as you go through the trial. Secondly, learn to be content in all your circumstances. We just keep our place in Philippians 4. Because in Philippians 4, Paul goes on to speak about contentment. I want to show you something that I think is just so helpful. Verse 10, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Now, let me just stop here for a moment and explain what was going on. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He was in bad circumstances. He was in prison in Rome under house arrest at this point. He's been there for several years, and the Philippians loved him, and they wanted to meet his needs. Imagine having a missionary that you promised to support, but you haven't supported him for years. That's what was going on here. They loved the Apostle Paul, but they either didn't know where he was or couldn't get a gift to him. But now they've located him, and they sent him a love offering. What a precious thing to do. Paul might have been cold in that house. He might have had needs for certain articles that would be helpful for him, toiletries, things of that nature, and they sent him a gift. And Paul is very grateful, but he says in verse 11, not that I speak from one, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. He said, I appreciate it, but I don't want you to think that I have to have your money because I have learned to be content whether I have or have not. And that's what he says in verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have, watch this, I have learned the secret. There is a secret to this. The secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul says he has learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Would you like to know that secret? Sure you would. Let me tell you, originally this word secret was used in the mystery pagan religions. They used it for being initiated into their mystery religions, certain secret things that they would reveal to those who became members of their pagan religions. Now, Paul's not using it that way. Paul is using the term secret to mean that by experience, he was initiated into the school of contentment. But what was Paul's secret? Well, it's no secret now because he reveals it in verse 13. Here's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret of being content is that when you are devoted to doing God's will, and that's a key, when you are devoted to doing God's will, and as a result of this devotion, you find yourself in difficult circumstances and all kinds of situations, some pleasant and some unpleasant, Jesus Christ will give you an inner strength to handle them all. Therefore, you can be content. Jesus Christ will give you that inner strength. In other words, whatever circumstances God's will leads you into, God's grace will sustain you. That is the secret. The secret of being content is to do the will of God with an understanding that whatever circumstances you find yourself in, Jesus Christ will give you his strength, inner strength. The key, though, is to be in fellowship with Christ. I want you to look at verse 13 again. I can do all things, it says in my version, through him who strengthens me. Literally, it's in him, in him. That is to say that as I'm in fellowship with him, as I am in him, I am taking in his word, I am praying to him, that's how he imparts grace and strength to you. If you're not in fellowship with him, you won't know this. You won't experience this. This is a promise for those who are obedient to the will of God and are in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you will not have his sustaining strength. Are you walking with him? If you've been going through a trial and you don't know his strength, it's because you're not in fellowship with him. That's the secret of contentment. So as you go through a trial, first of all, stop worrying about the future. Secondly, learn to be content. Learn to be content. God is sovereign. Nothing has happened in your life by accident. There's a third great truth, and it's this. Trust the word of God. How simple and yet how profound. Trust the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us about this. You know, it's a lot easier said than done to just trust God's word. And I understand when you're going through a trial, it's very easy to just say, well, trust the Lord, but not always as easy to put into practice. But I want you to know the Hebrews went through terrible trials, persecution. Some of them had their property confiscated. Some of them were thrown in prison for their faith. And they were discouraged. They were down. Some of them were thinking of leaving the faith. Some who had not really been born again had left the faith. They were forsaking the assembling of themselves together. I don't think it means they were missing church occasionally. I think it meant that they stopped fellowshipping with God's people because they were not truly born again. But they were discouraged. Some of them were drifting back into Judaism. And so the writer says to them in verse 1 of chapter 11, this great statement about faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the things that you can't see that you hope for, but you have assurance. The conviction of things not seen. It's the promises of God that have not been fulfilled yet, but you have a conviction that it's true and it will be fulfilled. Why? Because that's true faith. And that's what God puts in the heart of every believer. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That deep conviction that what God has said, though it hasn't come to pass now, will come to pass. And he goes on in this chapter to speak about such great men like Abraham, who do you realize Abraham and his children and grandchildren dwelt in tents, roamed the land of Canaan, even though God said it's your land. They never owned any property except a little piece of land in what is today modern Hebron. But Abraham and his son and grandson believed in the great promise that the land was theirs, though they never lived to experience it. Joseph in Egypt said to his brothers, promise me that when I die, you will carry my bones back to the land, the promised land. Why? Because it hadn't been fulfilled yet that it was theirs, that they hadn't actually lived in it, 
in terms of it belonging to them, but Joseph believed God's word, though he did not see it. And that's what the writer is saying. The writer is saying is trust God even when you cannot see the fulfillment of his word. You think God has forgotten you, but he hasn't. How do you trust him? How do you trust him? One chapter over. Therefore, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, put away whatever's holding you back from trusting him and progressing in the Christian life, and the sin which so easily entangles us, whatever sin is entangling you from walking by faith, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do you do this? You fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer says to the Hebrews, remember the Old Testament heroes of faith. They trusted God even when everything looked bleak. Even though everything was seemed to be going against them, they trusted God. Remember them because they've crossed the finish line. They finished the race and they're in glory now. And if they can endure, you can too. If they can trust God's word, you can too. And then he says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on him, because even Jesus as a man trusted God's word. That's why the writer doesn't say Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author, the perfecter of faith. While on earth, he trusted God perfectly. And you know what helped him? Because he realized that the joy is at the end of the race. The joy, he says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You can endure all the trials of life, if you're fixing your eyes on Christ and remembering that it won't always be this bad. God does give you his grace. God is faithful. God will keep his word. I just want to remind you, the Christian life is an endurance race. It's not necessarily a happy time. A lot of trials, a lot of battles. It's like a marathon that never seems to end. But God will never forget you. And just as he remembered Noah, so he today remembers you and he'll keep his word to you. Let's bow for prayer. God's word always demands a response. What will you do with the living word of God today? I'll tell you, there's one thing to do. Repent of your complaining. Repent of your false expectations you've put upon God to do something for you that he's never promised to do. Repent of misinterpreting the word of God and trust. Trust his word to give you grace, to make you like Christ, to make you mature and stable. Trust him. Can you say today with the great Old Testament patriarch, Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're not going through a difficult time now, but you will. And maybe you're going through a time that you just think is horrible. It'll never end. And maybe it is horrible. Though he slay you, yet will you trust him? Can you say that and mean it to the Lord? And I say to you, If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know him. You've never called upon him to save you. You need to trust him as the one who paid for all of your sins because you have a more serious problem than any believer has. And that is if you die in your sins, the Bible says you're going to go to eternal hell and you need to be forgiven of your sins even today. That is the desire of your heart. I invite you to come up after we close the service. One of our leaders will be right here by the platform, by the communion table, and he'll be happy to speak to you about your need for Christ. Father, I thank you that you didn't forget Noah. 
and you haven't forgotten us. Thank you, Jesus, that you'll never forsake us, never leave us. I thank you that on the cross you were abandoned by the Father, that we may never be abandoned. I thank you that when you said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is because you were paying for our sins. And therefore you were separated from the Father for those few hours. You tasted hell for us that we might never taste it. And I thank you that you'll never forget us. Lord, I would pray for those going through the deep waters of their own trials today that you'll help them to take these truths and put them into practice. For it does us no good if we are hearers of the word and not doers. So I pray that your word would bring encouragement and would be part of the instrument of sustaining grace. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you catch what Pastor Steve said toward the end of the program today? Let me repeat what he said. Quote, The Christian life is an endurance race. It is not necessarily a happy time. Lots of trials, lots of battles. It's like a marathon that never seems to end. But God will never forget you. And just as he remembered Noah, so he today remembers you and he'll keep his word to you. End of quote. I hope you've drawn great encouragement from today's verse-by-verse program. Our series is titled Noah and the Flood. And honestly, I didn't realize there was so much for us to learn from this Bible story. And there's much more that we will be learning in future verse-by-verse programs. If you've been blessed by this, would you please tell a friend about verse-by-verse? We're out of time for today's program. But please join us next time and encourage a friend to tune in for Noah and the Flood on Verse-by-Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.